Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast, featuring Dr. George Cannon. This podcast is a ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church. Finding Clarity seeks to answer your questions about Christianity. Here's George as he looks at this week's question. Welcome to the Finding Clarity Podcast. This is George Cannon, and you are listening to Episode 109. The Finding Clarity Podcast is a podcast ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church where we seek to answer your questions about Christianity and the Christian life. So what we've done is is that we've put together a podcast and we're trying to help folks in our church wrestle with questions that they are hearing or they have heard and trying to come to some sort of biblical answer. And so today we're going to look at a question, considering the time of the year that we're in, we're in the Christmas season, and so I thought we would look at a question concerning a controversy that has been around for a long, long time, and that has to do with the translation of a word in a prophecy that is directly attached to this time of year, and it has to do with the translation of a word concerning whether or not it means virgin or woman. In fact, that's our question. Does Isaiah 7.14 say woman, young woman, or virgin? We're going to discuss that today. Now, as we begin this discussion, I need to go ahead and tell you right off the bat so you don't wonder about where George is on this question. I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So don't go walk away from this and say, well, George just doesn't believe that. No, no, George believes in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And I believe that this passage is speaking to the prophecy concerning the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But we need to answer this question because it is an old controversy. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to address this question in several parts. First of all, we're going to look at the controversy. Got to explain that right off the bat, what the issue is. Then we're going to talk about the use of the Hebrew word that is translated virgin. And then we're going to talk about the nature of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7. And then we're going to talk about dual fulfillment of that prophecy. Dual fulfillment? What are you talking about, George? Well, we're going to get to that soon. So let's talk, first of all, about the controversy. It goes back to the fundamentalist, modernist debate of the early 20th century. What do you mean, the modernist, fundamentalist debate? Well, back in the early part of the 20th century, there was a raging battle that went on for many years in this country concerning the validity of the scripture. First of all, the inerrancy of the scripture, whether or not Jesus's miracles were correct, whether or not Jesus was even God. It had to do with all of that. And modernists at that time, based on, quote, scholarship, were downplaying all of that and even denying the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And so there was a upheaval in the church, and that's where such things as the five fundamentals, which I believe were brought forth as far as showing 
the authority of Scripture, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, his sacrificial death, his return, the inerrancy of the Scripture, the inspiration of the Scripture, all of that was brought out in that modernist debate. But around that time, um, there was a translation that appeared, the Revised Standard Version, and with regards to this prophecy concerning the virgin birth, the translators chose to use a different word than virgin. So here's what the second point I want you to see is the use of the word woman or young woman instead of virgin in Isaiah 14 is wrong is what the controversy was saying. So basically the controversies were saying that what they're doing with this verse by using the word young woman in the translation, they are taking away from the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. They are denying the virgin birth. You say, what are you talking about, George? Well, let me read you the translations. First of all, I'm going to read you Isaiah 7:14 from the Revised Standard Version. Here's what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You say, wow, what's wrong with that verse? Well, listen to Isaiah 714 from the New King James. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Whoa, now I see, George. Yes, and so the controversy was is that those who believe in the fundamentals of the Scripture felt that this was a watering down, this was a flat-out denial of the use of the word. This was, that's my third point, it reflects a liberal denial of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Well, that seems very clear-cut, George. Why are we even discussing this question? It should be virgin, not young woman. Well, it's not that easy. And I'm not going to be judging the motives of the translators. They may, they, they may very well have had wrong motives. Nobody knows at this point, but we can talk about something that may reflect something else that God was doing in this passage that actually, to be very honest with you, is actually a positive thing. So how do we get there? Well, let's first talk about the use of the word. The word First of all, the word used in Isaiah 7.14 is the Hebrew word Alma. Okay, it's the Hebrew word Alma. Here's my second point. The word Alma means young woman, maid, or virgin. So that's the meaning of the word. The Hebrew word has three possible meanings. It can mean young woman, maid, or virgin. And in the Old Testament that you and I have, okay, so when we look at the Hebrew, what is the Hebrew Bible, or what we would call the Old Testament, some form of the word is used nine times in the Old Testament. 
So if you and I were to look for the use of this word Alma in the Old Testament, you will see that it is reflected in all three ways. It is reflected in the use as virgin, it is reflected in the use as young woman, and it's also reflected in its use as maid. So based on its use, the word can mean young woman or virgin. It can mean that. It can mean young woman or virgin. So having said that, it seems like you're saying, George, that the translators weren't wrong in using the word young woman and using that to translate this Hebrew word. But that seems to take away from the virgin birth. Well, on the surface, it appears that way, but I'm going to tell you something As we look at the issue a little bit deeper, you're going to see that that's not what's taking place here. We are actually seeing through the use of the word Alma that there's something else going on here that's actually quite positive, that actually supports the whole concept of the virgin birth. So let's talk about the nature of prophecy. First of all, in order to understand the meaning of the word, we must consider two points. Okay, so if we're going to understand the meaning of the word, whether it means young woman, whether it means virgin in Isaiah 7.14, we've got to consider two points. Two things you need to consider. Here's the first one. It actually has to do with the issue of prophecy in general in the Old Testament. First, sometimes Old Testament prophecies have a near and far fulfillment. This is where people get hung up on. Most of the time, we think of prophecies just having one fulfillment, that they only refer to one thing. But actually, there are many instances of prophetic literature, meaning the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets, having a passage that reflects Not just one thing, but two things. So, for instance, in Isaiah, as well as in Ezekiel, you will see prophecies that we would look at and say that they have to do with Satan. However, when you look at those passages, it's referring to the king of Tyre. And in one passage, it refers to the king of Babylon. Well, the fact of the matter is, is those prophetic passages have a dual fulfillment. They are reflective of that king that they're talking to right there, but also reflective of Satan. Satan. Another aspect of that is that there are sometimes prophecies that are given that have an initial fulfillment in that time, which is what we're going to see here in Isaiah chapter 7, but they also have a far fulfillment later on, which we're also going to see with the virgin birth. So we got to consider the nature of the prophecy when we talk about the use of this word. The second thing, and I've already kind of reflected on it a little bit, is is that this prophecy was given to King Ahaz in a specific circumstance. When we talk about 
Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It is part of a larger context, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 to 17, where this prophecy was given to King Ahaz concerning a circumstance that he was facing right then. So it doesn't make sense for this prophecy, which occurred 700 and some B.C., to be fulfilled 700 years later because Ahaz isn't going to even be alive anymore. So let's talk about that. Well, let's first look at what that prophecy is. So let me read you the passage. Verse 1, chapter 7, Isaiah. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Ramalah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but he could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deplored in Ephraim. So his, so his heart and the heart of the people were moved as trees of the woods are moved by the wind. All right, let's stop for a moment. What's going on here? The kingdom of Judah, Ahaz, is facing two enemies the king of Israel and the king of Syria. And he hears of this alliance with these two kings and he's scared to death. And the people of Judah are scared to death. Now we come to verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz, you and Sher Jasub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field and say to him, take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Ramaliah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it. Let us make a gap in its walls for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. Thus says the Lord, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, and so it will not be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramaliah's son. And if you do not believe, surely you shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord said to Ahaz, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask either in the depth or in height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse evil and choose good. For before this child shall know to refuse evil and choose good, the land you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. And the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not 
come since the day Ephraim departed from Judah. Okay, so let's take a look here. What we're going to see is, is that this prophecy was given to Ahaz concerning this whole kerfuffle that's going on with the king of Syria and the king of Israel. And it's supposed to be a sign to him that before this child can be weaned, these kingdoms are not going to be a problem to Judah anymore. So it has to do with the current circumstance that Ahaz is in. So what we're going to see now, which is now our final section, that there is a dual fulfillment to this verse. A dual fulfillment. And you can obviously see that when you read the whole context of the scripture. So let's talk about it. First of all, the birth of Isaiah's son reflects a near fulfillment of the prophecy. What son are you talking about? Well, we need to go over to Isaiah chapter 8. The first four verses of Isaiah reflect this. Listen to what it says. Moreover, the king said to me, take a large scroll and write on it with a man's pen concerning Mehashalah Hashbaz. And I will take for myself faithful witnesses to record Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jerbekiah. And then I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Mathashalah Hasbaz. For before the child shall know the knowledge to cry, My father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be taken away before the king of Assyria. Oh, wow. Here we have the prophet Isaiah going to his wife. She conceives a child. And before that child can even reach the age of being able to say, Mom and Dad, these two kingdoms will cease to exist. Syria and Samaria will cease to exist. Sounds like a near fulfillment of what was said in the prior chapter to Ahaz. Ahaz, before this child is weaned, you will see these kingdoms disappear. That is a near fulfillment of the prophecy. We say, well, that just sounds like it, George. No, because if you look at the prophecy in Isaiah 7, there are some things that did not take place with Isaiah's son being born. Like, for instance, his name. In Isaiah 7, the child would be called what? Emmanuel, God with us. In Isaiah 8, Isaiah's son is called, well, it's an unusual name, and I can tell you right now, it is not Emmanuel, and it doesn't mean God is with us. So we see some aspects of the prophecy being fulfilled immediately, but there are other aspects of this prophecy that are not being fulfilled in the immediate sense of Ahaz's life. It's actually later on. So, then that brings me to my second part, because remember I said to you this is a dual fulfillment. The virgin birth of Jesus reflects the far fulfillment of the prophecy. 
See, when you come now to Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, the Apostle Matthew, reflecting on this prophecy from Isaiah 7, 14, points to Jesus and his birth being a fulfillment of this prophecy. And notice what he says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, the interesting thing is, is that Matthew is pointing to this passage as being messianic. When you look at the Jews in the Old Testament, they did not view Isaiah 7.14 as being messianic. But with the birth of Jesus and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew comes to realize this was a prophecy that was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. It's a far fulfillment. So then that brings us to a conclusion here. The Hebrew word Alma reflects the dual nature of the prophecy. In fact, this is where I think it's positive. This is where I think of it not in terms of the controversy and whether one translator uses the word young woman or another translation, which is most of the translations use the word virgin. I think God in his amazing understanding and in his preciseness chose a Hebrew word that reflects both young woman and virgin because of the dual nature of this prophecy. Meaning, he chose a word that reflects young woman because, yes, this was a prophecy to King Ahaz to confirm what the Lord was saying right then concerning those two kingdoms, Syria and Samaria. But he also gave us a prophecy for you and I later on that reflects Jesus. And so the word is not just used to be translated in a sense of young woman. It is also used in a specific sense to mean virgin, which reflects the birth of Jesus. So let's get back to our original question. Does Isaiah 7.14 say woman or young woman or virgin? And the answer is Yes. Is it wise to use young woman? Well, that's a different question, and I would say no. And that's why, if you look at every other translation that is out there, and folks, there are a lot of them, they all translate the word virgin. Finding clarity is really an opportunity to answer questions that you and I might have about Christianity and the Christian life. So what we try to do is bring a question each week that reflects on something that's going on in your life or some question you have about the Bible, and we try to answer it here. You say, George, how do we get those questions to you? Well, first of all, if if you are a part of the Kerwinsville Christian Church family, you just simply need to hand it to me. You can just throw it in the offering plate. The guys will get it to me, and we'll look at answering the question here on the podcast. 
And I have to say this, if you are not a part of the Kerwinsville Christian Church family and you're looking for a church home, we would encourage you to consider coming to the Kerwinsville Christian Church. Our morning worship service is on Sunday at 1045. We're a come-as-you-are church, so you don't need to worry about how you dress. But we would encourage you to come. We're located on 700 State Street in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, and we look forward to seeing you and checking us out. You can also contact us through our website, kerwinsvillechristian.org. You just simply need to go to the contact page. You'll see a form there. Fill it out. You can submit your question that way. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. And we would encourage you to like the page, but you can direct message us there or right on our wall. We'll get your question. You say, George, I really like the podcast. How can I keep up with them? Well, there are several ways that you can keep up with them. You can subscribe to them on whatever device you use, whether it's Apple or Android. You simply need to go to iTunes or to Google Play, type in Finding Clarity Podcast, and you will find the podcast listed there. And you just simply need to subscribe and you won't miss an episode concerning what's happening here on the podcast. You can also get our church app. Just simply go to Google Play or again to the iOS app store, type in Kerwinsville Christian Church, and you'll see our app. It's free. Simply download it. You can keep up with the podcast as well as keep up with the other media resources we have for Sunday School and the Morning Message and even our radio uh, spot and see what's happening here on the podcast. Now, we're not going to be doing a podcast for the next two weeks because it is the Christmas season as well as New Year's. So we're not going to have another podcast until January 9th, 2020. Then when we come back, we're going to be addressing a question that's very relevant to you and I, and it has to do with our relationship with Jesus and his communicating with us. And so here's the question we're going to look at when we come back in the new year. How can we recognize the voice of God? We're going to address that question here. So in the meantime, we encourage you, have a great week. Take care.